Yo, this is Jake Cuts Fresh. You're checking out the Barber Life Podcast. This is for all barbers, no matter your age, race, or status. Barber Life. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out another episode of Barber Life. Uh, as always, this is Jake Cuts Fresh. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at Jake underscore Cuts underscore Fresh. Uh, today, I got a very cool guest. Um, this is a cat that I've met just through podcasting and through Instagram and social. Um, he has created a docu-series on um, YouTube that's just incredible. It's called World Barbershop Adventures. Uh, this man travels the, the planet with his wife. Uh, his name is Matt Javitt. Matt, why don't you say what's up to everybody? Jake, thanks so much for having me, brother. I really appreciate this. Um, talking to you from Kalua, Lumpur, uh, Malaysia right now. Woo. So uh, it, is, <laughs> it is really cool. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm, I'm uh, later in the day uh, than, than you are. So uh, it's really cool to, to, to make this connection for sure. Cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, so where, so Malaysia, so what time is it over there? So right now it's 9 a.m. Eastern Standard. Where are you at with that? Yeah, we're plus 12. We're 9 p.m. Oh, okay. We're 9 or 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah go. gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so yeah, so you have expressed your love for barbershops. We've been chatting through that, and then you're like, yeah, hold on. I got something kind of cool coming, and I was like, all right, cool. And then you hit me with that World Barbershop Adventures. So for those that don't know, because I blasted out to everybody that I know, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet or new people, basically this man gets a haircut in every, pretty much every city or, I mean, I don't know because yeah, you travel a lot. Um, yeah, it's dep- it depends on how long my wife and I stay in a particular um, country or city. Um, but we've, we've now hit about 30 countries on this adventure that we're on and I've been cut in over 20 countries at this point. So it um it, wow. it kind of depends. I don't I don't force it, but I like um, now that we're documenting it. I want to make sure that it's um, that that uh, I do it a little more often ish. But I don't yeah. want to force my cut. I, you know what I mean? I don't want to I don't want to overdo it. But when I wasn't um, doing it, uh, there were periods where I was growing out my beard, and I was like, man, I want to grow out my hair so that I, w- I wasn't getting as cut as often. Right. Um, but now that we're doing the series, I, we're kind of being a little bit more strategic about. Um, what countries we want to make sure we get a cut in just to see how different it is. So that's cool. That's All right, so just to give people a little glimpse, basically what he does is he goes in and he films his experience. He narrates over it, has a dope intro. There's a little outro piece where you talk about some other points that maybe weren't covered in the in the actual video footage. And you get to see, as a barber, for me, the best part is just seeing how other people cut. I mean... Social media has done that for us. There's been times where I was like, am I doing this right? Is there a better way to do it? And you get to see some crazy tools. I think you were in Japan. That guy was using that weird, like, sled thing on your neck. Yeah. 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 And it was really cool. uh, That was in Osaka, Japan. And it was was like a a double-edged deal where... Um, he, he put it on my neck and then I really didn't notice the difference. And then when I went back, Nikki, my wife does all the filming. Um, and she does an amazing job getting close and everything. And yeah. then afterwards I was, I was going through and watching stuff and I was like, what is that? And then I, I hit the guy, um, on, on Facebook and I just said, Hey, do you, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Um, after the fact, because, and it was a lot of it was through Google translate because mm-hmm. he didn't speak uh, English well, mm. but he told me, he told me the tool, I think it's called the Sriracha Chan, um, um, blade sled, but but I went to go 
look it up, and it's basically only in Japan. You can. I was trying to find where it was if it was on um, Amazon or if there's anywhere somebody can get it in the states. It's it's basically a Japanese tool. But uh, yeah, it's stuff like that, man. It pops up and it's just different. And yeah. It's, um, for guys like you that have the that are that are in the business and understand it, because again, Jake, just for your listeners' point of view, I'm not a barber, man. I've never uh, I've never picked up uh, the Clippers. I don't. Um, I've only had the experience from the chair. Uh, that's that's only been my experience. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that's so those things I understand they're different, and that's why I'm hoping to document it for guys like you and the guys that have a passion for uh for for barbering. Man, that's I, we always appreciate that. You know, I think barbers for a long time. I think barbers felt like sort of an unappreciated uh, trade, but I think now barbers are becoming like rock stars. So it's pretty insane. You know, guys will be able to cut a celebrity's hair and then be able to post it and be able to get a lot of credit, and a lot of a lot of clout that way really quick. Um, so let's let's rewind just a little bit. So you're traveling the world with your wife. That's yeah. that's so passport joy. Is this man's podcast? Check that out on iTunes, wherever you can get it. Passport Joy, and essentially, Matt and his wife and I'm, your wife's name escapes me right now. I'm sorry. What Nikki. is it? Nikki? Matt and Nikki yep. basically travel the planet and document it. And um, how, how long have you been on the road now? We left uh, the U.S. in February of 2017. Woo! So uh, <laughs> yeah, about 20 months. Yeah, wow. I know it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So. You just decide that you're going to do this. You had a, uh, are you still working remotely or are you? No, no. So that was, um, we're running off our savings. Okay. All right, cool. So you guys yeah. just decided we're going to just go see this stuff. So, I mean, this yeah. is literally stuff people talk about doing all the time. People, <laughs> people yeah. like, yeah, someday I'm going to, and you're actually doing it. So that's, that's why it's interesting to me to tune in to what you guys are doing on the, on the podcast. Um, and then just sort of a derivative of that is is the barbershop thing. Um, but so before that, before you decided to do all that, take, take me back to the beginning of, 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 of you, like maybe the high school college years. Cause you seem like a guy that's got a little bit of a ghetto past. Like I kind of do, I kind of can fit in, (laughs) but everybody got a little flavor to you. You know, you fit in with, with kind of anybody you can kind of get along with and talk, talk through stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the real high level. Um, and, and we'll dive into some details as we want to go. But um, so essentially, my mom, this is going way back. Mom gets pregnant at 15. My um, they, they get married. My dad and my mom get married at 16, have my brother shortly thereafter. And then um, my dad joins the service. And then three years later after my brother, I come along. So you've got two young parents that are just figuring out together and uh, making it work. Um, mm. Now they're. They're about to celebrate their 47 year anniversary, and um, it's it's awesome. It's great. But back then, met crazy struggles, right? And then because right. we were in the military, um, we jumped around a bunch. So I went to a, a number of um, grade schools. I went to three high schools. But through that whole process, I played basketball. Mm. Um, I was a, I was a good basketball player in going Division One, and um, through the through all those jumping around, I had the ability to make friends often because through sports it was easier. Um, and because I played basketball, much of my um, early years was was urban America, and mm-hmm. I used to hang out with brothers, um, whether it was in different neighborhoods or I would just I would go to their parts of town, just because they were the the best basketball players to, to build me for the competition, 
And um, um, so that's that's how my upbringing was. And even though I jumped around to different high schools, um, I always navigated to, to that. So I know like like you talk about hip hop music. I mean, I grew up on um, Ice Cube and W.A., Ice-T, all that um, mm-hmm. West Coast um, um, rap and then also some of the East Coast, Public Enemy, PNB and that stuff. So I, I that's that was um, through my high school years. That's where I was at. And then I go I go off to college. I ended up jumping around to colleges a little bit. I actually signed out of high school. I don't sure how much basketball you watch, but I signed with Bill Self. He's now the head coach of Kansas. Yeah, um, I know Bill. Yeah. Basketball Hall of Famer. That's who I signed <clears throat> with out of high school. But at the time, it was Oral Roberts. Um, and I ended up leaving. I was a young 18-year-old. Thought I was better than I probably was. Left early. Um, went back home. But at that time, my parents had moved from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, down to Indianapolis. Went, went back with them. Um, I stayed at home, figured it out, went to a school, got another scholarship, and then um, went to a couple other in a, in a, in a Division One in, in North Carolina, finished out there, graduated on time. I was proud of that. Um, nice. Graduated in four years, even though I jumped around a bunch. Then um, went, uh, actually played a small, I can say I played professional because I got a paycheck to do it. Didn't <laughs> last very long, but I, but I actually got a paycheck to make it happen, so that, I guess that counts for something. And then I went and um, got an MBA while I coached for two years. Um, down in Tyler, Texas, um, where I actually played my sophomore year of school. So, again, got to be around basketball, got to be around um, some amazing athletes down there, um, got my MBA. But while I was getting my MBA, I started a clothing line. Mm. And the clothing line, and Jake, I haven't, I haven't talked about this. Uh, I think before we started, I told you I've been interviewed about 20 times now, uh, mostly for the travel stuff. But mm-hmm. um, but um, I really haven't I haven't got into some of the details, but uh, I for, for for you, man, I feel like I could talk about it a little bit, but yeah. I started I started a clothing line. Um, it was called IDGAF, um, I D G A F. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that was 20 years ago. If mm. you go on Twitter now and you look up IDGAF, yeah. If you if you go on Instagram, look up IDGAF. It's it's a it's a hashtag everybody uses. Yeah. Um, I trade I trademarked it. That's my trademark. That's that's my brand. I started it. Wow. Um, it did. It didn't go. Um, it didn't. It wasn't a revenue driving company. But it was a cool company. Like I got it on Shaq. I met Shaq three times. Mm. Shaq at the time was the biggest um, promotional based athlete in the world, probably. Yeah. Um, he wore it on TV three different times um, without. I didn't pay him or anything. He just liked the stuff. He wore it. I got it on uh, MTV multiple times. I got it on professional athletes. I got it on rappers. I got it on rock stars. But it was one of those things where I wasn't smart enough, dude. I made a lot of mistakes, mm. and um, it was it was really cool. It was really fun. But I lost money. Um, me yeah. and my brother, we were partners together, and we lost money, and it didn't work. Um, the trademark—if you look at the trademark—the trademark still has our name, and we end up we end up selling off most of it, and it's really nothing today. Clothing line is clothing's are damn near impossible, brother. I don't know how people yeah. do it. It's 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 really difficult. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. So from there, so from there, I transitioned, and then I, so I'm working. I'm working the bar. I'm working at a bar at night. And I'm working, this is in Indianapolis, I'm working at a bar at night, I'm doing cl- the IGAT during the day, this for about three years, and then um, gorgeous girl walks into the bar, uh, eight months later I ask her to marry me, <laughs> and <it's> some, <laughs> so then Nikki and I got married eight months after that, I've been married for 13 years, but then b- during that process of me courting her and saying like, hey, I, w- I want to marry you, uh, at- asking her dad and everything, um, he basically said, dude, you can't be a bartender, um, doesn't make sense, I-, I-, I grew up in a bar family, it's hard. So mm. from there, I, I ended up transitioning, figured out who made the most money, who, who came into the bar that made the most money, and I jumped into the mortgage industry. Nice. Did mortgages for three years, um, and then um, that took me out to Vegas. Nikki was working on her doctorate. She's, she's a, a clinical pharmacist. Uh, she's got her doctorate in pharmacy. Wow. And 
um, during that process, I was out in Las Vegas for a year. She was still in Indianapolis, finished up her doctor degree. Um, the recession hit, housing crisis went, and um, so I had to jump out of that. And uh, we were, we were, uh, it was tough, man. I mean, we were, we were back to like zero. And she was, she was trying to finish up her degree. I came back to Indianapolis, and thank God a company um, took a risk on me in technology because they knew I could sell. Uh, I didn't know anything about technology, nothing, brother, nothing, <laughs> zero. But uh, but I knew how to meet people. And yeah. so they, they, the big international company gave me gave me a shot, um, jumped in with them, and I spent nine amazing years with them. First two were horrible, a ton of struggle. Um, it was really impossible to, to, to make any sales because it was the recession, but it gave me time to learn and get better. And I know you're real big on self-education and always improving, and that was my yeah. thing, man. I just, I, just, I just kept pushing and working hard to get better at it. And uh, finally it hit, and with that company, um, I won um, – uh, five international sales awards where we had a chance to travel to different places around the world. And uh, we went to places like Chiang Mai, Thailand, Goa, India, um, South uh, Cape, Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, Istanbul, Turkey. And then from that process, from that traveling with this company, man, I got struck by the travel bug. It was yeah. crazy. Like we, we would go to these amazing places with my company and then we would come back and I would just be, I would be mind boggled at how different the world is. And it changed us in such a way that um, we just started to have these dreams and desires to travel full time. And so after that, after um, getting everything in order um, and, and kind of getting a, getting a financially everything right, we started making plans to say, OK, we're going to do this. And then um, 20 is about is about March 2016. We're like, OK, we're going to do this. And we started the process of putting everything in line and within a year. Uh, February 2017. That's when we 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 uh, we did everything right. We told everybody uh, goodbye. We left our jobs in the right order, mm. and and then we when we hit the road in 2017, and with the goal to travel about two and a half to three years. Wow. Uh, and like you said, like you said, we're about 20 months into it, brother. So it's uh yeah, it's been it's been crazy because a lot of people they they just pick up like oh the corporate world, but it, it was a lot that we the process was a lot more than just these last three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a lot that built up to the decision. And um, and we know we now that we're in it, we know it's it's the right decision. It's been a ton of fun. So, were you like, hey, Nikki, what do you think about this? Or was she like, you know, it'd be fun if we traveled the world. <laughs> like, like who who yeah. was the who was the who was the brakes and who was the engine on that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think uh, I'm probably the engine more than the, because there was always there was always a conversation like when we would we would um, come back home. We would say like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to spend uh, more time there? And we would just dream about it, like, yeah, let's we can do this. And then finally, we, we met a couple that did it. That we met a couple that took two years off and did it. And they inspired us in a way that we were like, man, we uh, we can do this too. Like we we see them and we're like, this is possible for us as well. And then from that, we we left that. Um, this this actually happened in Cape Town, South Africa, and we came home. And we were both, I was supercharged. She was probably charged and I was supercharged. I'm like, we're going to make this happen. Yeah. And, uh, and it kept, it lingered. And we were like, um, just weekend after weekend. Cause we, we both work a ton and we would come home and we just be like, man, are we going to do this? We're going to do this. And I was like, we're doing it we're, this. This is going to happen. We're going to do it. Yeah. And finally, um, that, that, that all that happened in like early March and about mid April, I just came walking down the stairs one weekend and I said, Hey, I booked our first one way ticket to Santiago, Chile. <laughs> <laughs> she, she gave me a look like, Holy shit, this is going to happen. Huh? Yeah. And, um, but it's one of those things where you can always back out because the ticket was 10 months away. Yeah. 
but but then in June, I, I was like, hey, I booked our next leg, our next major major leg from South America, America that gets us to Europe. And then it was August, I had booked um, the, the the flight that got us from Europe to India because wow. um, we. We spent two months in India, and when I told her that, that then at that point we kind of knew because that was about August. It was we were still about seven months out, but um, we knew that if we're gonna do this, we need to start getting some stuff in order right. real quick. And uh, from there, we we the nerves started building. We got anxious, and then we started lining things up. And then around December, we had to let our families know, let work know, um, because we wanted to give them the proper time to transition and everything. Um, and then from there, uh, this, the decision was on. Nice, man. Ah, oh, that's all right. So you made, so you made these moves. You get to a place. I mean, you have a plan on where you're going to stay on, on some level, right? I mean, did you book Airbnbs or hostels, or how'd that work? Yeah. So as far as uh, combinations go, we do uh, mostly Airbnbs, and it's a combination of if we have our own spot. Um, or if we share with somebody else, if, mm-hmm. if this, if the location is relatively cheap, we'll get our own place. Um, cause we can have time together. But if it's, if, if it's a it's more expensive city, like we're about to go to Singapore, it's more expensive. We'll actually do like a split living where we're living with somebody, but we have our own um, room or whatever. And then a lot uh, some of the other places will, we've stayed, uh, we volunteered through a, a website called Workaway where we volunteer services. They give us a free place to stay. We've done that with, um, four different, like bed and breakfast type places. We spent a month in South Africa, a month in Greece, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks in um, Ecuador, a week in Chile, where they basically we, we work. We had sweat sweat uh, sweat work to uh, cleaning cleaning bathrooms, flipping beds, greeting guests, stuff like that. Oh, okay. But they they give you a free place to stay, so that keep that helps our budget. And then we've done um, a website called Trusted House Sitters. This is real cool, where you can watch people's animals, cats, dogs, and stuff, and. Uh, They'll, in exchange for watching the animals, they'll put you in their house for free. So wow. basically, they're they're going on vacation, and you're living in their house to watch their animals while they go on vacation. So then they don't have to pay for a sitter. You don't have to pay for housing. It's just an exchange. So we, we've wow. done that as well. Um, to Wish save I money. thought of that. <laughs> Wish yeah, I... no, it's, I'm telling you, it's really cool. It's it's growing in the States as well. Um, it's, it's bigger. It's probably the biggest in Europe. Yeah. But um, we because we did ours in... Um, Switzerland, okay. Switzerland's crazy expensive, but we had a chance to do that and have free accommodations, so that was cool. And then um, we've stayed in a few hotels if it uh, if it makes sense, if it's not too expensive, or um, we just had a, our buddies, our, our friends visit us in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. So we spent we spent a couple of days in a hotel just so we could stay with them because they were doing it. So we we did that with them. Right. Um, but yeah, that's it's really a mix, and I, and we stayed with a lot of families too. Um, friends, uh, friends of friends type things, or uh, friends, uh, families of friends. Uh, yeah, okay. We were in India, man. We and when we were in India, we jumped around a bunch, and we've met people that that we've met on the road that we've later stayed with as well. Um, just just stayed in their house for two or three days or whatever, and um, kept cool. their cost on that way. So yeah, we've this... we've had a chance to really see different because those are the best ways because then you get a chance to to um, understand the culture better. Right, from a local, I was just going to say, from a local perspective, that's that's your best option. I know, I haven't traveled a ton, but when I, I, the first time I went to New Orleans, I went there as a local, basically. The girl that I was dating at the time, she had gone to Loyola, and she lived down there for like four or five years, so we just stayed on couches, and we got to yeah. see New Orleans from the local perspective, and that's 
why I fell in love with that city. Like, we end up going to Bourbon Street. Everybody talks about Bourbon Street, French Quarter, all this. Uh, we went there once. You know, it's, yeah. it's okay. I stepped in a I stepped in an ankle-deep puddle of, like, piss and puke, like, as soon yeah. as we got there. And I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'd rather go to that, like, neighborhood bar, you know, like... Yeah. Um, that local perspective is everything. Yeah, that's and that's the vibe. That's the kind of the better vibe. When we we try to we navigate that way. Like where, where we are in Kuala Lumpur is um is very neighborhoody. Uh, it's it's very working class. And then you could there's parts of the city that are unbelievable. There's a lot of money here, um, in parts of it. But we're we're not in that part. But we can get there really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, but our our vibe here is more authentic. It's more, you get a, a better sense of culture. Um, when you're walking on the sh- walking um, to the convenience store, it's like real life activity. You're not in the convenience store of a hotel where the the dude next to you is from Germany. That person's from another country. You know what I mean? Right. This is like these are, these are locals, and that's what we try to do the best that we can. When we're traveling um, to get a true sense of the places that we're at. Do you, have you guys had any issues with the food and stuff? Like I know that's you always hear that you want to you know certain like you know you, you can't just jump right into Indian cuisine. You know, like super yeah. local Indian cuisine. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have some issues. I mean, how have you guys been able to kind of navigate around that? Well, um, Nikki is uh, vegan. She's she's a strict vegetarian and ninety five percent vegan, ninety eight percent vegan. So she 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 does have some issues. I can eat about anything. Um, I I get real smart. I try, I try to eat as much vegetarian as I can. But um, lately, I've been um, getting outside of that a little bit, um, and my my stomach is pretty adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can do some of the crazier stuff. I've eaten some wild stuff along the way: ostrich, pigeon, um, a lot of snails, um, uh, like lamb tail, blood mm-hmm. sausage. I've I've eaten a lot of crazy right. stuff because if I'm in a region and there's something particular that they're serving, then I'll I'll jump in and, and see what it's about. But um, she stays. She stays smart. And she's she stays pretty guarded. But I'll I'll get out there. But we haven't really had that many issues um, in India. I got I got kind of sick. But I don't, I'm not sure if it was associated to food. Right. But um, it it uh yeah we we've been pretty fortunate when it comes to that. Um, and, and, I, and and the spices we don't mind the spice. I like the spicy food. And that's where the, that's where it can really be challenging in some cultures because what we think might be like hot or spicy. In these cultures, man, it is your face, like your whole body is, is on fire. <laughs> I'm telling you, I sat, I sat down. We were just in Bangkok, and my, my friend was there visiting, and uh, and I, I ate some street food because um, I trusted. I'd been there. We had been there before near that area, and I, I could tell it was clean. So I had some street food there, and um, the, the I sat down with a couple of locals, local Thai people. And they were eating like true spicy hot stuff. And mine was about a medium. And I told my buddy, I'm like, dude, try this. It ain't that bad. And he took a bite and he was like, what are you eating? I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> he, went, he went straight uh, uh, into the sweats. And this this lady, what they were eating, it was it was nothing but chili, chilies and peppers. And so they talked me into having a bite. And, man, it was it was really hot. So yeah. they're, they're, that's the difference, man, is how, how spicy they make their food. Yeah, I I uh, I've had some experience with that where you think that there's a Thai restaurant right next to my barbershop, like two doors over in the same plaza. So I go there a lot, and depending on who's working the counter, the spice <laughs> meter is different. So like at oh, dinner funny. it's one through ten, you know. At lunch it's one yeah. through five, or vice versa, whatever it was. But 
Like, usually the thing I get is called drunken noodles. It's like a two. I'm like, you know, bump it up to like a five. Well, that was like yeah. basically like a ten. You know, it, it was inedible. Yeah. I, I opened it up and then my eyes started tearing up. Everybody <laughs> in the barbershop's like, what in the hell is that? You know, I'm like, I've had some experience with that. Yeah. You got to be careful. But, all right, so let's bring it back to this to this barbershop adventures, man, because okay. this is really, really cool to me. Um, something I've always wanted to do. I've spent a lot of time watching Turkish barbers. Um, they seem to just be like on another level as far as service and all the cool stuff they do, shaves. I've seen a Turkish guy do a straight razor shave in like four minutes, <laughs> you know, like, um, it's just wild. So you, so you get to a city, you decide you're going to get your hair cut. What happens next? Do you call a barbershop and say, Hey, I want to come in and film this stuff. I'm from America. Or like, how, how does it work? Yeah. So I guess, um, before I would just venture out, get them, get them out, uh, just walk around and find a neighborhood spot where I would look online, use Google Maps a little bit. But now, now that we're taping, I have to ask for permission. So essentially, I'll jump on their Facebook page or their Instagram, um, but but people don't respond either. So sometimes it'll go without a response, and I'll just say, "Hey, look." Um, now it's cool because now this is the first city really that I've had a chance to to use. Uh, the the promotion video to say hey this is what we're doing uh, we would like to come in and film as well but typically I'll just I'll just reach out and just say uh, hey I'm traveling through through if it's okay I'd like to to videotape my experience because um, I'm a traveler and I share the videos with my follow base mm-hmm. and all the all the ones that um, that are on that are now online uh, they were all very very uh, welcoming saying yeah sure come on in and um, feel free, and then once once we get there, I'll be, on, honestly, it's more of Nikki getting out of her comfort zone um, because right. she's the one that has to hold the hold the um, phone and, and get the tough angles and get in there while the barber's trying to do his um, do his or her job. So that's that was the tough part. But once we like, um, and I think that and that's kind of like based on my backstory of, of me being able to meet people and not not feeling um, awkward around anybody is the idea that uh, but my hope is I can make people feel comfortable really fast. Mm-hmm. And so when I step into the barbershop, hopefully I can build rapport in those first five or ten seconds just so they understand, like, okay, this is a non-threatening situation. They're just nice. They're travelers. And then just m- make them feel warm, make make the, like a, the, the situation warm and welcoming. So then they're, they're nice to Nikki as she moves around the chair uh, and gets all the awesome angles that she gets. Because uh, all I have to do, man, is sit back and relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Once you get in, yeah. your work's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. so that's good. I mean, that must be some sales experience coming in there, right? Like being able to talk yeah. to people and set a rapport, and knowing how important that is for one. Um, yeah, and uh, so I know on the podcast where you guys covered this, um, she talked a lot about getting outside her comfort zone, and I had to put myself in her shoes for a second and think about you're in another country. You're whipping out your phone, right? You guys are recording this all on your phones, as far as I understand. Um, Which, side note, anybody who's worried about starting a a film on any level, any sort of documentation of anything, don't be afraid to use your phone. Everybody wants to get the ill camera. I can't do this until I have that. I can't do this until I have, you know, a MacBook and I can't, you know. No, no, no. Just do it. Just do it. So, anyway, side side note. This is a... No, I appreciate that because this is an iPhone six. Yeah. These are iPhone sixes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so that's not, not like, even that's like four iPhones, iPhones ago. You know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm using right now too. Actually, six. I'm using yeah, the six yeah. S. So I'm a little little new, but yeah. Um, so, 
she's got to film this, and yeah, people must be looking at her like, what in the hell is going on? And she has to deal with that. She has to deal with the fact that she's, you know, I know when I'm taking a picture, when I'm traveling, as soon as I'm taking a picture, I'm worried if I just got, like, somebody just scoped me out to pickpocket me or something like that. Probably in a in a barbershop, it's probably not that big of a threat, but the idea remains that you're focused on this when you need to be focused, like, 360 because you're, like, in a foreign country, you know? So is that kind of, like, discomfort? But... I really like how close she gets, and I like to see the, I mean, she's, you can even see the angle of the blade and how they hold it on your neck and stuff when you're doing stuff like that. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, one thing I know you guys were saying, if there's something you want to see more of, I'd like to see their tools. I'd like to see their clipper okay. set up, because there's some clippers you can get in, in the UK that you can't get out here. There's, you know, some you can get in Russia or Japan or whatever, or there's companies maybe never we heard of, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, no, definitely. We'll so, do that. So that'd be cool. All right, so so you guys film the whole thing, and then um, you do on the on the few that I've watched. Now, being honest, I haven't watched all of them. I've watched like two or three. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the end, you have sort of like a summary, um, like a like a sum up video where you have the fresh cut and you're in front of the wall talking. Um, do you do that right after, or is that like a day after? Or um, I think you know, I think it's always been right after. Yeah. I, I try to do it right when my hair is done so you can see the finished product. Right. And uh, you, get, you get my real take in the moment. Yeah. Um, because then I'll take, I'll take notes and then I'll add some of my notes to the voiceovers um, to help paint a picture of the, of the process and, and kind of fill, to fill time, film, uh, fill time for those that aren't in the barber game that are watching it for more of maybe to see the cultural aspect too. Right. So I, that's why, I, um, based on the shows that you might have seen, because um, I've got we've got people that have followed us uh, as travelers that are now watching the show as well that aren't necessarily in the barber game, so they're, they're looking at it at a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got feedback this week that was like, man, you need to maybe shorten up the barber because there's so much dead time there. And I'm like, no, dude, that's I like that. That's for my barber people, you know? What right, I mean? right. And that's that's where I get to drop some facts on the culture. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do. Like I'm trying to, t- to paint the picture of what it was like to visit Tokyo, um, talk about their people, talk about their culture a little bit. Um, that's why I, I dropped, like, uh, talked about like the tattoo culture in Japan and stuff like that. So that's, I, tr- I try to, um, do that as well, um, to, to, uh, to kind of get both sides. My, my buddy Jermaine called me from Milwaukee. Uh, we played hoops together in college and he was like, Matt, man. You're going to be the Anthony Bourdain of barbershops. <laughs> and, uh, and that is how I, like, I was like, dude, that's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to be Anthony Bourdain. I mean, he's, he's his own category, but yeah. I'm trying to be that, the connection of um, showing a niche category that has a lot of passion um, for Bourdain. It was food, mm-hmm. but for me, it's, it's, it's the barber chair. Mm-hmm. And then also give some culture along the way, show what the food looks like, yeah. show what people are on the streets. Um, and that's that's what I'm trying to do um, as as we um, show all the different angles and all the different um, parts of the cut. And I got to fill a little bit of time there as well. Yeah, well, I think you picked a great place. I have always said that the barbershop is like the street internet. It's like yeah, you can find out a lot about what's going on around you from sitting in the chair and asking a few questions. Um, Absolutely. And I think that it's a good snapshot of the culture of that area. And so I think you nailed it. I think bars are too. I think bars and barbershops and, you know, before I was cutting hair, I was a bartender. It's very similar. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. 
your clients are a little happier when they leave the barber chair than when they leave the bar usually but you know well it depends on depend you know it's the real alcoholics they're not any happier than when they got there so but you know i think you've really honor something and i wouldn't be surprised if one of these travel channels picks you up on that and has you do it on a on a high you know a, a higher production you know yeah, um no, there's nothing I, like I it you know yeah but it's um and I'm not even sure if that's a goal, to be honest with you. Um, no, yeah, I hear you, yeah. I appreciate that feedback. I, I love what we're doing. I love um, kind of the the creative the creative aspect that uh, we get to have, and um, like the uh, like the, all the all the clips in that in that on those videos are Nikki and I with our iPhone just walking around, hanging out, doing our thing, and then um, I get to I guess I, I I piece it all together and try to paint a story, and then I've got a guy that lives in Kentucky. Uh, this young kid that I found on the on a website called Upwork, that uh, he's got the skills to do this stuff, and he puts it all together for me. And um, but I, I get okay. to paint the picture for him and say, this is the story I'm trying to tell in this location. And then he does an amazing job with the software he has on putting it all together. And, and uh, I was going to ask you that on the road, man. It's it's for us to be able to do our podcast every week is has been an amazing feat. Something I'm extremely proud of. When we started, we're 35 episodes in. And to do it every single week um, has been is something I'm really proud of, because dude, we're we're in a different city in a different country, and, and we're uh, finding good finding good Wi-Fi is not always easy, and just finding good spots to, to have our conversations has not always been easy, um, and then just just the I know it's I'm not saying traveling's hard because then people are like oh yeah your your life's real rough dude <laughs> but, yeah but the but the idea that uh, that we are we are traveling like you're 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 getting in a lot of buses you're doing uh, whatever kind of transportation we're doing and uh, then we're going out and seeing seeing new locations we're doing stuff like this we're meeting locals uh, we're, we're finding new ways to, to meet people so that that aspect can be hard tiring and um, stuff yeah. that you mentioned like changing with the food and and uh, trying to find a place to work out and stuff like that uh, but for us to stay on that schedule has been cool and then now we're mixing in this where now we're doing the production and we're taking film and now we've got to push this. And uh, to, for us to be able to do all this on our own uh, would be impossible. So that's why I leverage talent um, like this uh, this kid. Uh, yeah. I'm a kid. He's, tw- he's 22. Uh, his name's Austin. But to work with him so he can put it all, piece it all together. But that's why I like it. I mean, it's I like the the flexibility we have. Um, yeah. If you... If some of the if we if we had if we had the opportunity to partner elsewhere um, that might bring a lot of the, all the corporate stuff I used to deal with, and uh, it kind of might change the game a little bit. Yeah, it probably uh, would. You know, I'm not saying you got to take it, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody could knock on your door. <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna ask you that because I'm like, is this is this dude editing this all like he's in Singapore? Just edit like do you do you have like <laughs> Adobe Premiere? You're just like throwing us all together because there's it, it came together really well, and um, you know, it's just there's so many barber quote unquote documentaries and series and yeah. stuff and. Um, the problem that I see with them is a few things. One, they quit after two or three episodes. Um, two, they put out a bunch of episodes, but there's no continuity or cohesive feel to them. Um, some of them are 50 minutes long and some are, you know, eight minutes long and it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of a mess. Um, and then three, that you're covering a portion that nobody really cares about. You're more or less just bragging about yourself. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you're not, there's nothing informative about it. So... You know, I'm always looking, since since I was in barber school, I started Googling barber stuff. I wanted to know more about it. 
on a worldwide perspective. So that was in 2001, 2002. And every year, about four or five times a year, I'd be Googling barber conventions, barber convention Las Vegas, barber, because I knew there's a lot of conventions there, barber convention Massachusetts, barber convention New England, trying to find these things. And they're now becoming huge. They're now hugely yeah. popular and they're everywhere and barbering when you tell people you're a barber it's like oh cool whereas before it was like i'm a barber they're like eh, why <laughs> you know yeah. it, when i decided yeah. to go to barber school it was like ah eh, well you'll figure it out you know and it's <laughs> like it's like i did figure it out i i don't want to go to college i don't want to work in an office and i just want to be chilling i want to wear jeans and i want to wear a hat and um it's either this or tattooing and i suck at drawing so we'll go with yeah. this you know and so that so that was kind of my thing, but um, well, here's the reality, man. Here's the so so um, so I come from that world of uh, like I said, I got an MBA. I sold at the some of the highest corporate levels. I was selling multi million dollar deals, and wow. um, I. But the the reality is the future is in is in um, craftsmanship. I, I think that there's a few. I think. Um, I, I have these conversations with my family sometimes. Is I think the future is 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 v- very vague on what the the, the possibilities are going to be for those that are coming out um, from high school. Mm-hmm. That uh, you're either going to go to a really good school and get into niche categories where you're a doctor or you're you're in a, a category that needs further education at a higher degree. Yeah. Or um, you're gonna be you're gonna do something that is more with your hands and more from an artistic fla- ar- artistic flavor that is um, gonna be around forever. Or, or, but if you happen to go into that middle category where you just go through college and then you get a job, those jobs will be be, be replaced by technology in no time. So I if agree. You, if you're in a path of where you're just in that middle part where you're not differentiating yourself at all. And you've got a college education. Um, you better be able to tell computers what to do, or soon computers will be telling you what to do. But in your game, because my, my brother's in construction, and he can make decks like nobody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does he does amazing um, hand works with it. With uh, he's got a team of folks that they build decks. It's guys like that. It's um, the barber game. Um, it's it's the bartenders that make people feel welcome. That are that are amazing behind the bar. It's, those are the categories of people that are going to become more and more important as technology takes over, and that's why I'm, I'm passionate about this category. Um, like I said, I do that. I, I, I'm not. I don't have these skills, um, and I'm not even sure if I could ever possess these skills. That's why I, I appreciate um, what barbers bring to the table. But I think that, and this is what I like too, is I as we go to different barber shops and we see the prices tick up. And we see barbers um, uh, um, being proud of their work. Yeah. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a category that you should be. Like, I'm going to pay a ton of money for a tattoo. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't mind paying a lot of money so I can look good right. um, with from a haircut. And that's the thing where um, I, I just think it's going to – I think as as technology continues to do what it's, it's going to do, it's going to eliminate a lot of jobs. For sure. Um, jobs. Jobs like uh, being a barber, professions like being a barber, because that's the way you got to look at it. People look at it as as, a, as anything, as a job. If you're not looking at it as your as your path, as a career, and you're looking at it as a job, then you're you're probably in the wrong space anyway. You got to have something with passion, and you're trying to try to make something out of it. So yeah, you won't um, last I long. I think it's awesome, brother. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, man. You won't. You not if you if if it's just a job, you show up, cut hair, and go home. It's not. You're not gonna last long because you have to really love it because it is a it is idiosyncratic type of job. Like it's like muscle memory, like the same thing over and over again. Now you have a variety of haircuts, but you start in pretty much the same way. You develop a system and you kind of knock it out, with, you know, with the system depending on the haircut they want, and. It's, you know, to make some good money, you got to be there about 10 hours a day, you know, and that's some of these new guys coming out of school. I think they I think that they think they're going to come out, work six to eight hours, come and go as they please, you know, wear some sweats and some nice Jordans and make, you know, 200 bucks cash and they'll be happy with that. Some shops you can do that. My shop, it's not going to really work out for you, man. You got to really be passionate. You know, I always say I'm always I'm only hiring thoroughbreds. I only want guys that's here because they love it. And if they can't cut hair, they get they feel weird, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, for sure. But yeah, I, I spent time like this. I'm, I'm sorry, Jake. No, go, just, um, go ahead. I was in a chair today with the kid from Malaysia um, here in Kuala Lumpur, and um, he, he's young. He's young. It's probably, it's probably not the best fate I ever had, <laughs> but uh, he's young, he's learning, and he, um, he told me he works at the shop basically every day of the week, but, um, and so, uh, but on Wednesday through Sunday, He's at the shop at 10 a.m., and then he works until about 6 p.m., and then here they have night markets. So they have big night markets where they got food and entertainment, and it's a street night market. Hmm. Um, if you've never been to an Asian night market, it, it would blow your mind because it's, it's, it's kind of controlled chaos where a lot of activity is going on. But these barbers line up there, and um, they've got basically a boss man that buys the area, and then the barbers split 50-50 with the boss man. This kid works there Wednesday, Wednesday through Sunday from seven until three a.m. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so the kids cut the kids cut hair from ten a.m. to to three a.m. Wow! So that's that's the hustle. <laughs> yeah, that's the hustle. And and again, his game ain't there yet, but he knows it. He's only been he's been only been cutting hair for like two and a half three years. Yeah. But he's got passion. He's like, man, I watch I watch YouTube videos every day to get better. Yeah. And he's he's just trying to improve. And I know as a white dude walking into a Malaysian barber, he's not having a lot of white guys sit in his chair anyway. Right. So my hair texture's different. Right. Their style's a little different. They they're more of like alleged culture. They don't have a true like good fade. But um. But it's but it's so it's just different, man. But for his passion and how much he loved it, it came through. And it's like guys like him is like, yeah, this is he's doing it for the right reasons. He's not Absolutely. trying to just showcase and have um, look good for what, whoever he's trying to look good. He's doing it because he knows that this is something he can make a career out of. That's what you got to do. I, I want to touch on the college thing for one second, then I want to talk about yeah, basketball yeah. with you because the Celtics start tomorrow. But. Um, so I feel the same way about college. When I was there, I was like, what am I actually doing here? I'm spending a lot of money. I paid for it myself. Um, I don't really know what I want to do. Um, and I'm telling my kids, I got two boys, five and seven, and I'm already showing them, like, my plumber friends, like, hot rods. Like, hey, yeah, you could become a plumber and make all this money and have, like, six, you know, Bel Air Chevys if you want. You can you can be a carpenter. My, my brother actually, it's funny you said that my brother builds decks too for a living. That's really interesting. Um, uh, my, my father is a, uh, is a mechanic, you know, we're, we're sort of a blue collar bloodline. Now you can do whatever you want. I tell them, and I will help you do whatever you want, but you need to understand college is an overpriced shit product right now. Right, right now, right now it is, it, is, it is screwed up. Yep. And and they will give my 17 year old when he turns 17, they will give him a loan for like 30 grand, that's unforgivable, 
and but if he wanted to get a car for three grand, they would never give him that. You know what I'm saying? Like the banks are biased towards, and that puts people in these crazy holes. Like you said, that middle ground of people that don't really they just get a job. They're already eighty grand in the hole. It's like a house payment without even owning a house. And then, you know, it's just it just is a mess. And I'm really glad that I saw through it early. I didn't even know. I'm not gonna claim I had these ideas when I was 21 or something when I dropped out, but yeah. you know, it wasn't. I knew the office life wasn't for me, and I knew everybody that was graduated from this college I went to was all working with me at this bar. So what the hell? Yeah. I already made it here. I'll just quit the school and save myself the money, you know. And Absolutely. It's interesting. So let's talk basketball for a second. What position were you playing when you were playing, man? So I, I'm, it's weird. I'm kind of a tweener. I'm, I'm naturally a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so in high school, we had five Division One players. I played point. I was like a point two in high school because mm-hmm. um, I'm 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Mm-hmm. And then I'm naturally a shooting guard, so I've got deep range, um, shoot the three. My best game, I, I, I scored 26 on Davidson and a half, uh, six three-pointers. So I, I, can, nice. I can shoot it, but because um, – I, I was like skilled. Out, I, I found my way into the post a lot, okay. and I, I was guarding. So I, I, I was I played out of position a lot in college. I yeah. played a lot down low where I'm not a I'm not a big guy at all. But I could push around a little bit because um, I had good size in college. So I, I, I had games where I was guarding seven footers, and um, it just wasn't fun. No, <laughs> and then finally, not. I had a chance to play my natural position more my senior year of shooting guard. And, um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm naturally a two. Okay, and then being from all over the place, who's your NBA yeah. team that you sort of get behind a roof for? You know, I'm a pacer. I'm more of a pacer guy now. Um, I guess I, I've been I, it ebbed and flowed, right? Mm-hmm. When I went, when I spent a year in Vegas, that basically killed all loyalties because. Uh, I, sp- I, I gambled enough that I lost enough on my home team that I yeah. stopped liking my home team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, the Celtics, I actually like the Celtics because Brad Stevens, a Butler guy, um, mm-hmm. I watched Brad Stevens do his magic at Butler. The, the, he is unbelievable. Yeah, he is, and the yeah. fact that he's, he, he, he went to Boston when they um, were one or two from the bottom or they were at the bottom and he's done what he's done. The, the guy's a magician, man. He's, yeah. he's unbelievable. Um, so I like what he's doing there. Um, it's it's really hard not to uh, not to appreciate what LeBron does. Oh sure, and uh, just, just just to watch his games, the guy's uh, phenomenal. Um, and there's I mean there's other there's other guys. There's other, that's cool. It's cool about Indiana right now because Paul George left and Old Depot came in, and now and now the Pacers are good. But but I say all this, I. I because of our time difference, man, it's um, like I didn't get to watch the Patriots do the thing against the Chiefs last night. Right. I, I because the time the time differences is really difficult to watch American sports. Oh, I'd imagine. Uh, Plus, you got to do it. You got to find Wi-Fi. You got to do it through the thing, and yeah. it's a big, yeah. big to do. Now that's cool, man. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for the Celtics. I what I've been saying about Brad Stevens is that he actually is probably the best pick that Ainge has had in his career as a GM because he actually incubates trade bait. You know what I mean? Like, he made IT. People play their heart out for this guy. I don't know. I can't explain it. But, like, IT looked like a a top five point guard for, like, two seasons. And now, you know, I mean, I know he got hurt. But, you know, where is he now? Like, Rozier looks incredible. If we trade Rozier, is he going to be that incredible over there? I don't know. I feel like he kind of just makes these people look incredible. 
and uh, they yeah. play incredibly, and that, and that's what you need because you got free agency next year. You could get an Anthony Davis, you know, because these guys are top notch players. So, um, but what's crazy, what's crazy is Butler. So Butler is a school of about four thousand in Indianapolis, and for for them to have back to back years to win the title was unbelievable. Like back to back championship games, yeah. Where the one year they were they were uh, an inch from beating Duke at the buzzer, and then when they I think they lost to UConn the second year, that was the most horrific final game ever. It was it was horrible to watch. Both teams played t- terribly, but um, but they were there. They were there both both years yeah. to win the championship from tiny little Butler in in Indiana. That um, they don't recruit the same level of talent, man. Of course, um, yeah. Because uh, Gordon Hayward, when he came there, he was like a tennis player, but but uh, in high school, and then he he grew a bunch, and then he became this superstar. Um, and the team that they had, that they built around, these were like these were like mid middle America, just just players that the, he formed these amazing teams around. Because yeah. uh, we had we actually had season tickets for a couple of those years, so we went to a bunch of games. Nice. And I would just way like. This guy is—he's doing some incredible things, and that's why when he went to, but we always thought that he would just go to Indiana University. That whole Boston deal, man, shook up the city. We had no—we didn't. Nobody saw that coming. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I didn't think of it from your point yeah. of view. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we were—we were, you know, when when he came in, we're like, all right, who's this guy? He's—he's he's younger than me. You know, he's like thirty. I think he's, <laughs> he's like thirty yeah. when they came. But anyway, yeah. you know, I remember when they got when they got uh, uh, Doc when they got Doc Rivers. He he came from like a like a zero and ten or like a three and sixteen team that he had down in Orlando. They fired him, and we got him. I'm like, what do we want with this guy? But there we go. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. uh, history is made. So, all right, I've got to I've got to shorten this up. I'm I can talk to you forever, and I would I'll have you on again, again and again. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for being here. For those that uh, don't know you, um, how can they find you on social? And what is the uh, the YouTube show? Just give them all the perfect information so I don't jack it up. Yeah. No. Thanks. The the easiest way to locate us is uh, passportjoy.com. Passportjoy.com. That has everything. That'll give you the links to the World Barbershop Adventures. Nice. That'll give you all of our social media links. Give it, and then on the site though, um, our travel our travel tips aren't just about our extravagant places that we're going to, though it is as well. But we give tips about weekend getaways, um, just little stuff like I told you about, like the trusted house sitters, ways you can travel for super cheap. Um, and that's what we try to do. We just try to share our advice because now that we're doing this for a long time, we we got we have some inside scoop, and that's all we're trying to do. So passportjoy.com. Excellent, man. Matt, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. And uh, let me know if I could help you with anything uh, stateside, man. I don't know. I don't know what I can do for you, but it seems like you're, oh, you're, you're a man who continually beats odds and you're a man who does what he said he's going to do. <laughs> so that's a good man to have in the world. And I appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate it. All right, man.